You're listening to the Soul Care Podcast. I'm Elaine Hamilton, the founder of the Soul Care House, a group of therapists working in community with a shared perspective about the path towards healing and change. This podcast is about creating a space for real conversations about real life struggles, a place where you can gather insight and support for issues that are relevant to you and the people you love. So sit back, put your feet up, and let's talk. I'm sitting here with Kelly today, who is uh, one of the therapists on our team, and uh, she works a lot with young women and young couples, right? Mm-hmm. That's, yep, that's some right. of the fun stuff you like to do. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it might be useful to folks if we talked a bit about attachment styles, which is like a lens that therapists often use to talk about the dynamics going on sort of internally in a person and then relationally mm-hmm. with a person. So you're the bomb on that. So I thought we would just have that conversation together. Great. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Of course. Be here. Good. Yeah. Um, what if we just start with like, how, how do you go about when you're sitting with someone in your office and you're feeling mm-hmm. like, gosh, I think it'd be helpful for them to have an understanding of this concept. How do you go about explaining it to people? Yeah, you know, usually I just start by educating them on what attachment styles are. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I kind of give them a brief understanding. Attachment is basically just the particular way that we relate with people. And so it kind of has to do with how we feel about closeness and intimacy and vulnerability in relationships. And everyone has a different way that they experience those things in relationships. Mm-hmm. And so I start there. Great. Yeah. Great. So, and what we found is that um, there's three main attachment styles that almost everyone falls into. Mm-hmm. And so I'll go over the attachment styles with the client. So we're finding that um, infants and children that had parents that were really attuned and receptive and responsive to them and their needs end up being really secure adults mm-hmm. and um, that's great and with the anxiously attached individuals we've noticed that in their childhoods maybe their parents met some of their needs sometimes um, but were pretty inconsistent with meeting mm-hmm. their needs and so you might see this in a family where um, work is really important or mm-hmm. um, something like that they, yeah. they just can't give their full attention mm-hmm. to their kids And then with avoidance style, um, their parents were just really not there for them. Mm -hmm. So these kids had a lot of needs, and the parents just, for whatever reason, were pretty checked out. And so we see this in families with alcoholism or um, maybe when a parent's struggling with depression. And so they just do not have the internal resources or capacity to really be present for their kids. What would you yeah. say you see the most in terms of young women coming sure. into your office? What attachment styles oh, would you gosh. say? I would say 90% are anxiously attached mm. young women yeah. who you know, are coming in because they can't figure out why their relationships aren't working out. Right, Yeah. right. And mm-hmm. what would they describe as like, here's here's how things are going for me? What are, yeah. what are the behaviors or the so, thinking patterns? Yes, maybe? you're going to see a lot of... Um, obsessing of, about their relationship yeah. and so that's yeah. talking about it over and over again right. um, really afraid that their partner is going to leave them or stop loving them if mm-hmm. they're in a relationship mm-hmm. um, they might say something like yeah I, I, people tell me I'm too needy or too clingy those are kind of buzzwords for mm-hmm. an anxiously attached person um, the, the person that comes in and says people say I'm codependent 
okay. that, that could often be yeah. someone who's anxiously attached um, and, and really fearful of being single forever. So the single ones just come mm. in very scared right. about how they're going to be single forever. Right. That would probably be the characteristics I would see most. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So less avoidant. You see you see that uh, less yes. often. I don't see many avoidance. Yeah. Um, a few, but they're not usually coming in to work on relationship issues. Maybe right. something at work is going wrong, um, but it, it's not. Or maybe the most classic I see with avoidance is my girlfriend made me come in. Yes. Right. Yes. And my right. girlfriend says I need therapy. I don't yes. know why, but she says I need therapy. So right. right. Those would be more of the avoidant clients that I yeah. see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting that it seems yeah. like, like in my experience, I would say the same is that, that women really? often tend to be, um, anxiously attached yes. and men more often are going to present with avoidantly attached. It seems to be that way. Yes. yes. Yeah. And I, I'm sure that there are times when there's avoidant women and anxiously right. attached sure. men, but typically it seems to be that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And often, uh, women with anxious attachment are are pursuing men who are avoidant. Yes. Why does that happen? Yeah, so that's that's a really, really classic <laughs> coupling, is yeah. the anxious and avoidant. And yeah. uh, there's a few theories on why they end up together. Okay. Um, you know, one thing you always say, Elaine, right, is you repeat or you repair. Yes. Right? And so yes. that just means either our past, we're going to repeat them and do the same thing that our parents did, or we're going to go to therapy and repair it. Right. Um, and so anxious people are going to be drawn to people that don't consistently meet their needs. Mm. And so there's this repetitive de- dimension of it. Yes. They're just replaying, you know, family stuff. Yeah. Um, the other piece is that, you know, that relationship where an avoidant is sometimes showing up for you and sometimes not showing up to you, it kind of, it's like this roller coaster yeah. of emotions and it can be kind of intoxicating right. and oftentimes anxious people mistake that anxiety that comes with that as love and passion yeah when really it's just their attack their attachment system is being super activated right and it's not necessarily love yeah or passion it's just an activated attachment system. yes yes which is hard to convince people about right sure hard to like pull that apart and say actually i think you're you're feeling you're feeling a lot of intensity, but it's actually a lot of anxiety. Yes. It's not actually <laughs> this isn't love. You don't feel secure. You yes. don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. You don't feel sure right. about this person. Right. Uh, but there's a lot of intensity, and so it must mean that we're in love, right? Yes, and this feels more like my family. Yes, right. I'm not. Yeah. I don't. I'm not used to someone being there all the time. In fact, that seems kind right. of boring. This seems right. more like it's kind of boring. Yeah, yeah. This this feels more normal to me. Yeah. So they find themselves attracted to that, to right? People, even though it's the worst thing for them, because mm-hmm. their needs are inconsistently met. Yeah. 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 And oftentimes, avoidance in the beginning of a relationship, they're going to come in. Um, they're coming in hot, right? Yes. They're like yes. they're really pursuing. They're really excited about you, right? Um, and and there's a lot of there's just a lot of interchange in the beginning that mm-hmm. feels it feels overwhelming and exciting, right? Right. And then um, oftentimes the next phase of the relationships for someone who's avoidant is like starting to feel overwhelmed. It's like I actually need more space now that I've won you over. Yeah. I need a little more space from it's you. Too close. It's too close. It's too close, right? Like the pursuit was really fun and mm-hmm. exciting. But now I've got you in my business all the time. You want to know where I am and you want to be doing things together all the time. And I actually need 
a lot more space in a relationship. Exactly. Yes. They tend to be really independent. I mean, that would be the biggest characteristic I would say of avoidance is they're very independent. They don't really have a compartment for that much closeness and intimacy. I mean, they they just didn't experience that when they were younger. And so that's very foreign and scary. And I think oftentimes they might feel inadequate in that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to do this. Mm-hmm. This wasn't part of my family. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're exactly right. That might push away mm-hmm. and try to get away from that intimacy. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And some, sometimes those folks with um, avoidant patterns mm-hmm. are grew up in a home where there was a parent who needed and wanted a lot of attention, but it was really unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And so they became avoidant because it was just so overwhelming like the closeness another person wanted from them was inappropriate and overwhelming and really about the other person and so of course naturally they would come to intimacy in adulthood feeling like uh, closeness is just it's too that's just yeah that's just somebody wanting some things from right. me right that I right. don't want to give and I need more space than that right you're exactly right so it can go either way your parents not meeting your needs at all or them mm-hmm. almost being too much for yeah. you and so you just feel like overly yes needed. yeah yeah mm-hmm. which does not feel, that good. feel good for anybody yeah Everyone needs a little it's like a grabby space. it's a grabby, it's grabby. intimacy mm-hmm. where like I'm I'm sort of requiring yeah to be my person and well you're my mom I'm not supposed to be your person exactly <laughs> right yeah so that's overwhelming yeah so what what do you think uh what do you think the road is for like like I, I mean I would say that almost all of us are struggling with either one of these styles yeah. for sure um I would say that when I entered marriage I came very anxiously attached mm. and really wanting Ken and I to be joined at the hip and do everything together. And when he wanted to be his own person, right. I felt very rejected by that. It's mm-hmm. like, well, that's kind of nuts, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, so what what do, what do you think the path is? If, if most of us are going to fall into one sure. of these camps, what do we need? Yeah. I mean, I think for single people, the, the best advice I would give them is to try to find a secure person to date. Yeah. Um, because secure people actually have a buffering effect and they make you more secure. Mm. So if you're an anxious person who's dating a secure person, your attachment style can actually change. And that's what I found in my marriage. I was pretty anxiously attached and my husband's Mm. pretty secure and I think the marriage has made me a lot more secure. Mm. Um, So that would be the number one piece of advice, but we can't all do that. Some some of us are already in relationships or in a marriage. For them, I would say that couples counseling can be hugely effective. Mm. Um, Sue Johnson, she's like the guru of yes. you know emotions. Yes, <laughs> she has come up with a therapy called emotionally focused therapy, and it kind of really hammers in on this stuff that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, just finding your attachment needs and wounds, and actually using your partner as someone who can help repair old wounds um, from your family and that that can just be really beautiful and Mm -hmm. wonderful for couples yeah as well Mm -hmm. and I know you're a big fan of the book attached yes I am Mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about that yeah I think attached is a great book that helps um you know readers or anyone who's interested in this just unpack what their attachment style might be Mm -hmm. and um it also gives really practical tips on how to use your attachment style yeah. um, to kind of get your needs met. Um, so I, I think it's 
it's really helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think oftentimes when, uh, when we're not aware of our attachment styles, we're going to place blame on our partner. Mm-hmm. My anxiety or my pushback against you is because of you. Yes. You're being too yes. needy. So I have to push you back because there's something wrong with you or mm-hmm. you're being too independent. So I have right. to keep grabbing at you and trying to convince you to, um, give me more of right. you. Right. And so, right. Um, it can be super helpful to just identify like, oh, this is, th- there's something going on with with my partner, of course, yes. but a lot of this is generated from inside of me and I got to get clear about mm-hmm. what that looks like inside of me and um, just educate myself so that when, when I hear myself thinking and feeling and talking right. um, in these kinds of ways, that's sort of like, oh, oh, there's me doing that thing. I got to find a way to calm myself down. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And with couples, um, to kind of get to those underlying feelings of what's actually going on with them, right? Mm-hmm. And like their, um, their really soft spots, that can cause a lot of empathy from the other partner. And so yeah. rather than this person looking super clingy and needy, right? right? Actually, maybe she just feels like people are going to abandon her, that she's not worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And so when a partner can hear that, he might um, be more inclined to move toward her. Yes. Which is really healing yeah. as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. anytime you can say, um, what I'm feeling isn't about you, it's sure. actually about my own mm-hmm. stuff. It's it's really an invitation toward your partner because they don't have to defend themselves yes. now against whatever you're labeling or blaming them for. You're, you're saying, this is mm-hmm. me, and mm-hmm. I think I would feel this way in any relationship. This is just the way I roll, right. and um, I'm, I'm trying to learn to manage that better. I'm trying to learn to create some healing inside of me. Um, but right now, mm-hmm. in this moment, mm-hmm. this is what I'm feeling, mm-hmm. and I just want to own that. Yes. I just want to own yeah. that and maybe lock myself in the bathroom for right. a little while sure. yes. yeah. <laughs> before we have a conversation about it since I'm feeling a little crazy. Yeah, I think that brings everyone's walls down a little bit. Yeah. There's less defensiveness when yeah. you, you can get to that place and see, like, this is actually partly on me. Yes. This is my own stuff from my past. Yeah. So since you work mostly with young women and and oftentimes they're anxiously attached. If they're wondering, if someone who's listening is wondering, um, how might I know right now mm-hmm. if I'm anxiously attached? <laughs> yeah. What are some things I should be paying attention to? Like what mm-hmm. things might I be saying to myself? Mm-hmm. What things might I be doing a lot of that would be a clue to me about yeah. this? Yeah, I generally, if you're anxiously attached, you're going to be extremely preoccupied with your relationship. So that Mm. is going to be something that you're thinking about all the time. Um, You might be hypervigilant to any clues in your relationship that uh, things are off. And so anxiously attached people have this this, sixth sense to notice when anything feels off with their partner. But instead of um, saying, well, maybe they had a bad day or mm-hmm. work was hard, they <laughs> internalize it and say, this yeah. is about me. We're disconnected. The relationship's threatened. Yes. Um, so if you find yourself doing that often, that would be a pretty good That's great. clue. That's yeah. great. And mm-hmm. maybe also um, sure. like less less interest in other things when you're in a relationship the, uh, that yeah. because of the pre- preoccupation yeah. you're, you're spending less time with your girlfriends or activities you that become you become a little obsessed with the relationship yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then for avoidant folks mm-hmm. um, some of the things that they might notice about themselves is um, I, I see a lot of like 
I'm not sure she's the right person for me. Mm-hmm. I, there's some other qualities I'm really looking for. Idealism. Idealism, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're, they're looking for things that would suggest that this is the wrong person yes. for them. Yes, um, that's right. Have... They kind of they call those distancing strategies, yes. right? So anxiously attached people are um, wanting closeness, and so they're trying to connect. They have connecting strategies, and then the avoidance have these distancing strategies. Mm-hmm. And so you're exactly right. They'll find the flaws in their partner, or they'll think about their ideal partner, or their what we call the phantom ex, right? Which mm, is like yes. oh, that ex I had years ago who was just perfect for me, the one that got away. Right. That can be pretty consistent with avoidance. So, Kel, if someone was um, going to work with a therapist mm-hmm. or counselor of some sort, what what would you hope the journey would look like for them? Maybe if you could describe what you do with clients yeah. to try to help people heal their attachment styles. Sure, yeah. So, uh, generally what happens, it'll be a young woman who comes in who's just wondering why none of her relationships are working out. And so, that gives me a pretty good idea that we're dealing with attachment type stuff. Um, and so what I like to do with clients is I kind of gain a great understanding of their family of origin and um, an attachment history. So I'll ask them questions about, you know, how available were their parents and how present were they? And not just in times when they were, you know, sick or had the flu, but maybe when something really emotional went on, mm-hmm. um, like a car accident in their families um, or a friend having a fight with them, right? Uh, were they able to seek comfort and support from a parent in those times? That mm-hmm. can be really telling. Um, so we'll do a lot of family of origin work. Sometimes that includes letter writing, um, just processing old wounds. Mm-hmm. So Who are they writing letters to? Maybe a parent. That. That, yeah, so oftentimes it can be really healing to write a letter to a parent that you feel like maybe all your needs weren't being met by. Mm-hmm. Um, these kids haven't had a place to talk about this stuff yeah. with anybody. And so just being able to externalize what's been going on inside can be really therapeutic for mm-hmm. them. So. And do you encourage them to send the letter to parents? They or? can if they want, but usually usually they don't want to. It's yeah. more of just a practice. Just getting it out. Getting it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. Great. If they want to, though, they're more than welcome to. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, and then next we'll do a pretty significant relationship timeline. So okay. we'll start with like, like junior high boyfriends and <laughs> high school boyfriends up, you know, till yeah. their current age, and we'll just unpack the dynamics of every relationship. Mm. And it's so funny because you'll just see such common themes mm-hmm. within these relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then they kind of start noticing themselves, like, wait yeah. a minute, this yeah. stuff keeps happening. I keep dating this same type of guy. Right. Why right. am I choosing this guy? <laughs> How does that happen? Yeah, how does that happen? And so that can be really enlightening to them. And we'll start at that point talking about other types of guys that are out there, Uh um, like secure guys, right? Right. And, oh, they might say something like, oh, yeah, there was that Henry, but he is kind of boring. Right. I don't know about Henry. Right. (laughs) And we'll talk about, well, maybe boring is not such a bad thing. Maybe that means that your attachment system is just not completely dysregulated. What would it be like to give Henry a few dates? (laughs) And see. And see. Maybe Maybe he's awesome. Maybe he's awesome. Maybe, you know, he'd be a really valuable partner. Mm -hmm. So we do that. so at that point, we're just kind of trying to make more connections between like what went on in childhood, what's going on currently, um, and you'll see clients really start to uh, 
become excited mm-hmm. that they're understanding that there's a pattern here. It's not right. just, you know, dating doesn't work for them. It's actually, well, maybe we can control this a little more than we thought yes. we could. And so empowering. So right? empowering. Yeah. yeah. And then the fun part is when I really encourage them to date and uh-huh. to get out there and then we unpack some of their dating experiences when they come back in mm-hmm. um, and what went on on that date. What, what were your triggers? What were you feeling? So after we've kind of worked through a lot of this and as they start to kind of date, you notice that, um, well, what I've noticed is that a lot of the clients will become more excited to date secure men Mm. and um, maybe something that might have been a deal breaker in the past is less of a deal breaker. Um, They start to feel the sense of safety that comes with being with someone who is consistent and is meeting your needs and uh, that feels less boring. It feels more Mm -hmm. fulfilling. It feels kind of good. You know, that happened in my relationship, too. Right. I kind of like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I'm actually really tired of trying to win over yes. bad boys, right? Yes. Because ultimately, you can never win them over. You can't win them over. And yeah. it gets to a point where you're just like, I'm ready yeah. to be in a committed relationship. And yeah. With someone who likes me every someone day. Someone who likes me every day can <laughs> handle this. Um, yeah. I also see these women becoming more confident in expressing their authentic self, so who they yes. are, without thinking, I'm so needy, or right. um, they can't handle me. Actually, secure people are really good at handling mm-hmm. that, and so they take more risks, and they have more conversations, and they come back and say, he didn't run away, yeah. he didn't freak out, and, right. <laughs> and they're pretty excited about that, yes. and so there's something yeah. that feels really good to them about this new you know, relationship style that they're trying on. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty exciting for me to watch that too. Yeah, and it seems like sometimes they have to do that for a while. They have to be Mm -hmm. in a relationship that's really different than their pattern for a while. Like, just give yourself time. I find myself saying that. Just give yourself yourself time time to see if maybe your system is Mm -hmm. going to adjust Mm -hmm. and you're going to begin to allow yourself to feel closeness Mm -hmm. in a relationship that's secure. Yes. And let's just wait and see. Give it a yes. little bit of time. Yeah, I think yeah. it feels really good for them. Yeah, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, it's great. So hopefully yeah. this conversation will be helpful to yes, you folks. hopefully. Okay. Well, thanks, Cal. It's yeah. great to talk to you about this. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. All right. Thanks for having me. You bet. If you're interested in checking out the book that uh, Kelly and I were talking about, it's called Attached, and it's by Amir Levine and Rachel Heller super helpful. Um, We encourage you to pick it up. Thanks for listening to the Soul Care House podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Any questions or comments you have, if there are topics you'd like us to address, let us know. Feel free to contact me at elaine at soulcarehouse.com. If you're interested in knowing more about what we do here at Soul Care, our website is soulcarehouse.com also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle there is Soul Care House and Barn. Talk to you soon.